welcome to Your Best Riding Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I am so very glad that you're listening in today. Today, we're sharing book proposal submission basics and more. A little bit on editing, too, so you're going to like this. My industry expert is Rowena Quo, and Rowena is the CEO for Brimstone Fiction. With over 15 years of ministering to women and families, Rowena advocates for writers to build God-centered support systems consisting of people, perseverance, practice, and prayer. Gotta love that prayer in there. When not working on words or films, she is a full-time mom with aspirations for spaceflight. I could see that happening, Rowena. I really can. Everybody, please welcome with me Rowena Quo. Rowena, so good to have you here on Your Best Writing Life. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for having me on your show. Hey, good to have you here. We've got a lot of stuff we're going to share with our listeners today. So let's go ahead and jump right into our content. And again, we're going to be looking at book proposal submission basics. When we're looking at a book proposal in general, Rowena, what are some of the areas that we need to be covering in our book proposal itself? Okay, well, uh, for a book proposal, we have to understand that um, many publication boards or editors may not have the time to read the entire book. So a book proposal is essential to help us editors and publishers decide whether or not we can go forward with your book and publish it and market it successfully. So in a book proposal, what we'd like to see first and foremost is that if that it's in word format, 12 point times New Roman, that there is a cover page with your title and subtitle. And on that cover page, you have your contact information. Then the next page, you should have your proposed table of contents. Then follows your short synopsis. Uh, now, a short synopsis is single space, 300 to 500 words. And this is equivalent to your three-minute pitch. Then you have your long synopsis, and these this is uh, three to four pages long, single-spaced, divided by chapter headings and uh, what key events that happen in each chapter. After that, I'd like to see um, bios of main characters, their ages, genders, personality, what is the problem that each has to solve, and what are their relationships to each other. Who is your point of view character? And if there are any supporting characters, a sidekick, a villain, a mentor, a romantic opposite. Following that, there is an about the author. And on there, you would list your education, any previous uh, work or books you have already written, conferences you've attended, special interests and hobbies future book, short synopsis of your sequel or your proposed series or books in other genres. And when not writing, what other work do you do? And I usually call this your, your uh, side job. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
And then after that, uh, a line about your family and general location. This is optional, but it gives a glimpse of your personality. Then in your marketing plan, and that's what comes next, uh, who is your target audience? So know your genre, know the age group of your target audience, who would be your potential readers, and then list three comparable, comparable works. List three comparable works, books in the genre where you think your book would fit the best. Any marketing ideas, that's a big one. Um, any blogs that you have, book tours, signings that you plan? Do you have an existing platform? And how do you plan to grow your platform? So what we want to see here is your commitment. What's your enthusiasm? Um, how, how passionate you are about your book? And how much do you plan to participate in the marketing of your book? After that, uh, there will either be a request for sample chapters, and this is usually the first three chapters of your book. This is double-spaced, no extra spaces in between paragraphs, or the full manuscript. And if you get a request for a full manuscript, that's the publisher wanting to make sure that your book is completed before you submit it. And this is usually requested at writers' conferences or through your agent. This is also double-spaced no extra spaces in between paragraphs. So the best thing to do would be really to look at the guidelines of who you plan to send your work to and um, make sure that you're following their guidelines because each house might be a little bit different. This is excellent. And for your site, is that brimstonefiction.com? Yes, uh, brimstonefiction.com, or uh, okay. you can email me, uh, rowena.brimstonefiction at gmail.com. Okay, and I'll make sure that I have all of that, of course, in the show notes. What stood out to me, I've heard all, you know, this is what you include in a proposal, this is what you need to have. What I really liked in this, and of course, we are dealing with fiction proposals here, is you're wanting to know all of that background of the characters, the main characters in the book. And yes. what stood out to me is the writer pretty much needs to know that that's something that has to be developed before, to e before they even consider sending a proposal anywhere. They really need to know the ages, the background, the likes, the dislikes of their characters. And, have you ever received a proposal with characters that you thought were very, very unique and you went, whoa, is that what you're looking for in that? Something that's different, something that stands out? Oh, definitely. I there, there are three things really that I look for in any manuscript I receive. And uh, these are things that as an editor, I can't fix. I can pretty much fix all, everything, anything, but these three things I cannot fix. And that's author's voice, mm -hmm. a compelling story arc, and um, deep, well-fleshed-out characters. Because mm -hmm. if you don't know who your characters are and what they're doing there, if they're stock characters, if they're two-dimensional, uh, nobody is going to be interested in your book. So your characters have to be interesting and you, there has to be a relationship 
that you put forth between your your characters and your reader. I really like that. The three things you can't fix. Yes. Because you can't. You can't put more into it than the author already has there. You can't give them exactly. a, a deeper base. Exactly. That's, what I have to say is that a compelling author's voice really overrides everything else. <laughs> if you mm. have a if you have a unique and compelling author's voice, almost everything else is forgivable. You'll have readers. They're not going to sit there and say, oh, you, you didn't put a comma here. <laughs> right, right. Well, they, well touch, on, touch on that then for a moment. Yes. What do you consider a compelling author's voice? This is the relationship the author builds with the reader. So writers who have difficulty with author voice, what I usually request for them to do is to journal in the voice of their character, in the uh, first person, as if they were that character. So that person would develop a personality, um, a full range of emotions, a particular way they would react to anything that happens in the story. Because what you don't want are two characters who look the same, act the same, and would say the same things. I've seen that several times. And in that instance, I would say you have to get rid of one. Mm. And that's very hard for an author to do. Each character should have their own particular mannerisms. And the point of view character, that's the person that we, the reader, identify with when we're reading your book, your point of view character should have us at, we want to know them. We want to be them. When we are reading your book, we are your point of view character. That becomes who we become throughout your whole novel. Now, if for some reason you change your point of view character, like if you are uh, doing third person, person omniscient, which a lot of writers like to do, they do what is called head hopping. And head hopping is where he said he thought she looked beautiful. She thought he looked stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something like that. Mm-hmm. And, right. and that. That's where you as the narrator know what everybody in your story is thinking. And that is called head hopping. And that reminds us that we're reading a book. So we tend to, at that point, put the book down and go do laundry, and we might not pick your book up again. So I want a book that I cannot put down. I want to forget that there are dishes in the sink, that there are children to be fed, that there are uh, groceries to be bought, that I need to finish this book before I do anything else, and I'll stay up three nights in a row to read it. Yes. <laughs> if, if that's what it takes. If you if you can write something like that, I, I I'll definitely publish it. Mm, I and you'll like have that. a lot of readers. And you'll have a lot of readers. Don't head yes. hop, folks. Yes, yes. So <laughs> build that no. relationship. Build that relationship with your between your characters and your reader. And a, and then, a lot of times uh, using the first person helps because it's harder to head hop when you're speaking in the I form. Yes, where I, uh, I I am writing down as if I'm writing in a in a diary or a journal, telling you my story through the diary format. 
And I like that that's what you suggest to people. Write in a journal as your character. That really does flesh it out. It really touches on emotions. Take them through scenarios. What would they say? How would they feel? One thing I've noticed uh, is the difference between the novelist and the screenwriter. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's point of view. The novelist writes from the inside looking out. And the screenwriter writes from the outside looking in. Mm. And uh, that to me is the biggest uh, difference. And sometimes I will receive a manuscript where it's written in third person omniscient. And I will tell the author, you know, you're really a screenwriter. And they'll, they'll sit back and say, really? <laughs> or vice versa. Um, I'll have a, an author who, who writes in a, as a screenwriter, and then they are giving directions that can't be seen uh, on screen because they're in the person's head. And uh, <laughs> then I'll say to that, that screenwriter, you're really a novelist. Ah, it's all perspective. It's that yes. you know, 30, 36,000 feet view of I know everything or being in the head. Exactly. And, this is just uh, me and you can see only what I can see and not what anybody else can see. You can't say they felt this way because how do you know? You don't know how they felt. Exactly. There exactly. it is. That's when you toss in the, it seems they this. <laughs> they might or have this. some action of theirs, like looking at their facial expressions will show you what that character is feeling. Correct. But not Good. your own not your own face. Like, no, don't mention your own blue eyes or your own flowing hair. <laughs> so, because you can't see that, right? That's as right. The, That's right. As a novelist, you can't see that. And if you're speaking in the I or the first person point of view, usually people don't say, well, he was admiring my, my long flowing hair. Right. Very good. When you talked about the deep story arc, yes, give us real quick either what it is or what it is not. Well, um, okay, this is where content editing comes into place. Okay. Because with your content edit, this is where you would solve issues with your story arc. Who goes where and when. So you make sure that your plot and your subplot all ties together that there are smooth transitions, that there are, uh, you know, who lives and who dies. Um, a content editor would say, you know, this scene would be better at the beginning. And then you rearrange your manuscript. Like this falls here, this falls there. This scene would be better here. I think that this scene should take place at the beach as opposed to the office building, something like that where you're always uh, looking at what makes sense in your story. Like if you killed off a character in chapter two, and then that character reappears magically in chapter 10, and people are looking back like, who is this person? I don't remember this guy. And it's because you killed him in, in chapter two. So, <laughs> so you have to be careful. Right. Yes. And oftentimes when we're on our 12th rewrite, we forget who, who we killed off. And it's, uh, it's just essential that you have the most recent version of your manuscript and you know uh, where everybody is at any given moment. And when I mean where everybody is, I mean all your characters. You know where they are. Right. All right. So now we know 
And I kind of took you on that little bit of a tangent there, but I like bringing in a few more elements and, and I appreciate you going there with me. So when we're looking at the proposal and what the proposal should have in it, now we submit the proposal according to the guidelines. What happens to that proposal? Because I want to say there's some authors, writers that go, I think it just went out into dark, deep, dark space or something because I don't know what's going on. I don't know how long something takes. Share with us your insight to that when that proposal hits, even from the point of, am I going to accept it or not? What makes it go in a slush pile? What doesn't? And then if it is where you like it, how it moves up the chain. All right. Well, uh, what I have is a pub board or a publication board. And this consists of readers who like to read that genre, whichever genre it's in. And I started sending uh, each pub board member a manuscript that I thought that they would enjoy reading. And I tell my uh, pub board members, read until you don't want to read anymore. And then let me know, uh, would I buy this book and tell my friends why or why not? Hmm. And they would essentially write that to me in kind of like a critique, um, an honest uh, evaluation of whether what, what they liked about the story, what they didn't like about the story. And I tell my pub board members, be kind, put positives in there for the author, because we want to build the author up and help them with their story as opposed to just uh, you know telling them what's wrong with it. Oftentimes as authors, we don't see what's wrong with our stories. And right. it's not necessarily something wrong. It's just, it's not, it's not alluring enough or it's not engaging enough. And uh, we need to know that going forward. And that's how we're going to get our books published. And so your authors, then when your proposal goes to the pub board, whatever they come back with, if it's something that you're not going to proceed forward with, then do you make available to those writers what the pub board, what they said, so that they yes. can look at it and work? Oh, that's so excellent. Yes. And I tell them this is what the pub board found. And um, it, to remember that it's not a no, it's a not yet. Mm. So always, always keep trying, always keep revising. Um, and it's never, I, I mean, I've had authors who've for every year at conference have handed me the same novel. And um, 10 years later, now she's, uh, she's uh, multi-published. Mm. <laughs> we did because get that they... novel published and now she's multi-published. But it took her 10 years to get that first novel published. Mm. And, and revision after revision, um, it, it takes a lot of work sometimes and a lot of perseverance and patience. It does. Whose timing is it anyway? You know, it's God's timing. So we put in the effort and then he does the rest. That's right. Very good. Okay, so it goes to the pub board and they come back with rave reviews. Then exactly. Then I uh, say, okay, congratulations. I'm going to send them a contract. I'll send the author a contract. First of all, I, I, I go to the author and say, would you like a contract? Because sometimes situations have changed. Um, they've published the book somewhere else or, or, or they've self-published it. So I, I say, is it still available? 
And if they come back with a yes, then I say, okay, I'm going to send you a contract. And then they look it over and they sign it or not, or they come back with, uh, you know, negotiate terms. <laughs> exactly. Sure. 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 Yes. And then, and then for the ones who don't ever get picked up, um, you know, after a few months, I'll say, you know, no one's read it and no one's gotten back to me, then that means that it wasn't something that, you know, then I'll send it to somebody else. And if that person doesn't answer, because all our volu- all our uh, pub board readers are volunteer. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give them something that they are forced to read. They have to enjoy it because that's what readers are. They buy books that they enjoy. <laughs> that's right. This makes your, this makes your publishing house a little bit different from others that have readers in that genre that are on staff that read to see if it's what will fit with our house. Yes. And you go with the ones where they, this is the genre that they're used to writing in. And I do like that because I had one book, a proposal that went out and it was for female and it was a 30 something male who read it and didn't even get past the table of contents and called it something that it wasn't even what it was. And I did get the chance to speak to the editor. And I said, that's not what this is. I mean, look at the summary. The summary doesn't even say that. And so got to make some headway from there. But I was like, why would someone who doesn't, this isn't even their area. They're not my, you know, they're not my avatar. They're not my audience. Why would someone who's not my audience read it? But exactly, that's why when I get a get a manuscript, when I receive a manuscript, I look at it, uh, I look it over, and I say, okay, I know just the person I'm going to send this to, and um, I, I like the way I do it now as opposed to how I did it before because I would never really get an answer. That's right. And I think people were kind of shy to um, speak up in a group. So, uh, like, as if we were around a table discussing a book. Right. Um, because most of them haven't even read it because they couldn't right. get past the table of contents. So what I did find was <laughs> it's better it's better to actually target uh, where this book might have an interest. Right. Might uh, spark an interest and um, give it to that reader and I have readers, you know, of all ages. I even have readers who are in uh, grade school who'd like that, or parents of uh, children who are who are read to. Um, you know, it depends on what kind of book. So it's really it's really imperative that in your proposal that you know who your who your audience would be, because I look at that and I'll say, okay, uh, I'll give it to this per, this reader uh, who fits that profile. And I, I get more success that way. And really, oftentimes, the pub board member will become the editor if we do pick that book up. That's excellent. Very yeah. good. All right. So then they go through and they sign the contract and you move forward with that. Exactly. And if they, and if they don't sign the contract, then at least they have something in their hands or if they don't receive a contract, then they have something in their hands that helps them to move forward. Exactly. So this, is, this is all good. Yes, so here's, I always encourage them to, to revise. I mean, uh, this is just, I say that it is an opinion um, mm-hmm. and don't take it to heart. Don't quit writing. Um, revise if you want to <laughs> and then resubmit. 
there are some houses out there, once you've been rejected, they won't allow you to resubmit. So just look at the guidelines and make sure that whoever you send it to doesn't have that restriction, because then you want to send them your best work, like that it's completely polished by a professional editor, that, that you know who your target audience is, and it fits the house. Very good. Now, earlier you spoke a little bit on what content editing is, and that fit right along with what we were discussing. What is a line edit? A line edit is uh, where everything in your book has already been in place and that uh, your story is where you want it. And now we just go back with a new set of eyes and uh, go line by line and make sure that the sentences make sense and uh, everything falls into place, that the spacing is right, that all the grammar is correct, that any references are correct. Like if there is, uh, um, you know, like if anything legal uh, that we have to look up, like uh, name brands or anything like that, um, that we can use that in the book. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And that's in line editing. And so we just go line by line and just make sure that everything makes sense. Great. And then you have proofing because this is another term that we hear. So what is proofing? Yes. Proofing is you've been through a content edit and you've been through a line edit and dollars to donuts in proofing. You still get a list of corrections. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, yes. Because new eyes will see things you could have, you swore up and down that you had put that period there and it's not there. <laughs> so that's where the pro- proofer would come in and just make sure that every, every quote has quotation marks. Uh, the commas are all there, that the periods are all there, question marks, that uh, the ellipses are are the right number and the right spacing. Oh, that is formatted correctly, because before it goes to design, it's got to be formatted, or it's going to be a nightmare to design, because a lot of programs aren't that forgiving. That means you have to sit there line by line and align them if you haven't done that already in proofing. And then once you have the content edit, you have the line edit, you the line have edit, and then the proofing, proofing, and yes. then it goes in through the rest of the process going on to publishing, as you said, with formatting and publishing and the rest. Sometimes we'll put it be... through a beta read. Sometimes oh, okay. we'll That's put good. it through a beta read. And a beta reader is somebody who is not an editor. They're, they're a prospective reader in, who likes books in your genre. And they go through and they say, okay, I caught this, I caught that. And invariably, they'll catch something. Like, uh, I thought he was wearing blue shorts. And now here you reference, you know, tan shorts or something. Right. <laughs> because something that's or, out or, of place. Or, mis- Some- or misspellings sure. of strange names. You know, sometimes you name your character something that uh, would be very difficult to spell normally. And a, a reader will catch that you misspelled it in a different place. So, <laughs> and it's good to have the beta. It's good, yeah, it's good to have the beta yeah. readers out there too, because they're looking for stops. They're looking for what throws them off, and exactly. they're also looking for wow, what draws them in. And that's that's what you want to know. That the beta reader is, they feel really good about the project. So that makes it excellent. Yeah, a good book makes you forget that you're reading a good book. You're there. You're there. I and like that. If, 
if somebody, if something uh, comes up and you're like, oh, I have to reread that <laughs> because it because it's awkward or you stumble over it. And then they remember that they're reading a book. Uh, and we so, don't want them to do that. No, we, we want, want them to experience kind of forget the, the world. Book. That's right. Yes. Forget the world. And be in your world. Ooh, I like that. Forget the rest of the world. Just be in the world that you're visiting right now in the book, exactly. in the story. Very good. Yes. Well, what are some new things going on with Brimstone Fiction that you want to share well, with us? We have a couple minutes here. Now we have um, Brimstone Books and Media. Good. And we have Brimstone Fire. Brimstone Books and Media is everything other than speculative fiction. Okay. Brimstone Fiction is usually anything um, science fiction, fantasy, supernatural. Um, anything that has a supernatural or extra extraordinary element in it, brimstone books and media will be every other fiction genre. Okay, and we're going to be looking at films and screenplays to make into films or publish screenplays because some some screenplays want to be published and uh, need a a book publisher to do that. Brimstone Fire is our hybrid line. And that is uh, an author who uh, goes through our program because we have a program for, with content editing, line editing, and proofing, mentorship, um, anything that you need as far as author services. Um, and they want to publish the books themselves. So it's kind of like a, a you pay up front for everything that we would pay for as a book publisher. Uh, traditionally, but uh, you would pay for your for for a meeting with your editor and getting that process done. Um, like it's a professional edit, professional a professional content edit, uh, line edit, proof proofing, and so the the time between contract and publishing is shortened. It can be you can publish your book in three months that way. Um, if that's traditional publishing through brimstone fiction, if it's brimstone fire, that would be, uh, we teach you how to, how to publish your own book. And, um, essentially you get, you get all the royalties and you get, you get everything. And we just, uh, you've already paid us our dues for helping you get to this place right now of publishing it. So it gives an author more options on how to, how to get published whether traditionally through brimstone fiction or brimstone books and media or through the hybrid press brimstone fire. So we're giving a lot, we've received a lot more options than coming. Yes. Than, the, than we have in the past. This is good. Exactly. I like exactly. seeing a publishing house grow. Oh. Just it's, it's what we need. Yeah. Um, and brimstone fiction took on maybe 15 new titles from a house that closed during the pandemic. And wow. we are republishing those under the Brimstone Fiction or Brimstone Books and Media brand. That's very good. I love it. And folks, I'm going to have a lot of different links for you in the show notes so you can find out more about Brimstone Fiction and everything that's under the umbrella, how to get in touch with Rowena, all of this. It's available in the show notes. But as we're wrapping up, Rowena, I want to ask you a question that I asked 
all of my all of my guests. Rowena Quo, what brings you joy? Oh, um, I have four children, and uh, the oldest is uh, twenty-two, and the youngest is eleven. Uh, the youngest uh, I adopted from China, and mm. she is special needs, spina bifida, and she brings me a lot of joy. Uh, she is paralyzed from the waist down, and um, people will say, oh, uh, you're great to adopt a child who's paralyzed from the waist down, but I say she's the greatest gift. She she's mm. she She inspires me. Because she is such a, a strong character and resilient, so uh, my kids, you know, they bring me a lot of joy. Mm. The joy is there, even when there's struggles. God gives us that joy. Yes, and to be yes. able to look into their eyes and just to experience their life is so fabulous. So thank you for sharing that with us. Just makes my heart happy, 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 happy. Well, Rowena, thank you so much for being on with us today. Your information is so helpful, and I'm looking forward to our listeners going out, finding out more about Brimstone Fiction and the rest of the information that's on your website. And I know that there's even freebies that are available out there. Some of the books that are coming out, I'm not going to give anything away, but folks, take a visit. Find out more. See if this might be a good fit for you, too. I'd love to be able to know that uh, we helped a little bit in connecting some future authors with their publishing house. This would be most, most wonderful, wonderful. And I hope that you'll come back on and join us again, Rowena. Thank you so much, Linda. This has been such a pleasure and an honor. Well, it's good to have you here. I like bringing people in. Especially, you know, we have the Blue Ridge Mountain connection. That's always good. And to be able to bring industry experts in that have a slightly different take. Not every publisher is the same. No one's the same. So it's good to have that individualism that also gives us some content that we can kind of overflows into some general information as well. So I always enjoy it. So thank you for being here. Thank you. And thank you, friends, for joining us. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on Your Best Writing Life.